Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Hello, this is MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time, hosted by two guys who love the show for completely different reasons. My name is Ryan Patrick. I am a major fan of MASH, like many of you listening. And my partner in crime is the man who slinged the hash there in the mess tent, Mr. Jeff Maxwell. Hello, Jeff. Wouldn't it be slung? Would it be slung or was it slinged? I'm Slang. It's slang. slang. You slang it. I uh, slang the hash. I slang the swill. <laughs> I slung it. I slung it. I slung it. You're the, a swill slinger. A swill slinger. I, you are a swill slinger, pal. Yeah, <laughs> I think that works. We need to get t-shirts like Swill Slinger t-shirts. Yeah, sounds like a cowboy star. And here is Swill Swinger. Slinger, I don't know. What are we doing? We are now 38 seconds into this and it's already off the rails. How about that? I think that might be a new record for us. I think so. Hey, I tell you what though, uh, this has been exciting because we just released the Loretta Swit interview mm-hmm. and the feedback has been overwhelming. Uh, thunderous applause. Applause, thunderous online applause for our friend Loretta Swit. And so many people are have been so impacted by what she did is in portrayal of, of the nurse and people have gone into nursing in the medical field mm-hmm. just because of her activity on the show and how she portrayed that character and how she behaved. Mm-hmm. I think that's just stunning that a television show and a character can have such a, a massive influence over so many people. And it's not just, oh gosh, I did so-and-so. These people changed their lives. I mean, they went into serious careers. Yeah. It really affected their, their own lives, their families life and everything. It was stunning. I Well, she's a wonderful person and, and uh, it is correct that she has that influence because she's a, a terrific uh, woman and a terrific person. And it's just, uh, it's wonderful to hear the rest of that response. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And and it really, it, it does matter to uh, these people. You know, every time we have somebody on the show and then afterwards they see the feedback and see your comments and your love, it really does touch them. So just know that they're seeing it and they're feeling the love. Mm-hmm. So Jeff, you know, uh, before Loretta, we had the big episode 28. And then before that, we had season three recap. So we haven't had one of those episodes where we answer a lot of questions in a while. And in the meantime, we've had approximately 72,425 new questions come in. (laughs) That's an approximation, give or take a few. Okay. All right. Well, we have time for those, don't we? Yes. So we're going to just crank through some of these messages and these questions, and we have some more voicemails. I, I think we'll just call this Ask Igor, because this is going to be uh, asking you a lot of questions that came in here. <laughs> but before we do that, we had a couple of really just nice messages come in. One of them is from Anita Jones, and she said, I just wanted to let you know, not only the people I know at my gym think I'm totally mad, but now people I don't know on a coach think I'm mad as well. You two just make me laugh out loud. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I'm oh, sorry, wow. Anita, that we are causing you to get dirty looks on the coach and at the gym. We will try our hardest not to make you laugh out loud anymore. It's hard to pump iron when you're going. <laughs> so it's, That could be dangerous, actually. You Laughing at the gym. Yeah, when you're deadlifting, you, you can flop <laughs> right over. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anita. That was very nice of you. Thank you. Very sweet. And by the way, Trina Conrad says, Hi, Jeff and Ryan. I recently found out about your podcast due to a link on Reddit. 
I had read it for a while, but I got an ointment and it went right away. So after listening to episode 27, I then binge listened to the rest of the podcast on your website. Thank you. The interviews as well as the stories from Jeff has been so enjoyable as I love to learn about behind the curtains. I followed you on Facebook, Twitter, and bookmarked the website. Cool. Thank you. You two remind me of BJ and Hawkeye in regards to how you interact with each other. You really come across as great friends. Well, look at that, Ryan. Is that amazing or what? I mean, to a MASH fan, there's no higher compliment. Really? I will take that. Thank you, Trina. And I, frankly, I think it's a credit to each of our acting skills that no one senses the animosity, frustration, and jealousy between us that really exist. Exactly. Because <laughs> if they knew... We're actually not even recording this with one another. We are, uh, you know, our contract now states that we record this separately uh, yeah. without talking to one another. And then they expertly <laughs> edit us together to make us sound like we are actually talking to one another. Trina, we really appreciate your nice words and support. That's great. And look, Ryan is a great guy. Ryan, you have a wonderful family. And you know, if we live closer to each other, we would be doing a lot more square dancing than we get a chance to do now. So <laughs> that's true. Thank you, Trina. <laughs> and from Tracy Gutters, two questions. First of all, did any of the actors actually have an interest in medicine? That's one question. And was it difficult for them to learn the medical jargon? That's two. And did anyone ever feel queasy talking about or acting their parts? Love the podcast and telling all of my MASH loving friends. Thank you for doing that, Tracy. Uh, you actually have been wrong. You asked three questions. So uh, we're going to let you go. It's okay. Uh, first of all. <laughs> did, this is your first warning, Tracy. This is your first warning. Exactly. Right. Did any of the actors actually have an interest in medicine? Yes, they did. You know, Alan Alda is a big science buff. So he did have an interest in, in medical science. Was it difficult for them to learn the medical jargon? Not really. Once you're an actor and you're in that kind of rhythm, it doesn't matter whether you're talking about intestines or, you know, whatever. You're st you have the ability to kind of handle the and navigate the words and eventually memorize them. And if you don't do it well, you can stick stickers up with the words somewhere around the set so you can just look over and get the word right. But interestingly, we had two people who were uh, working with uh, the actors during those operation scenes and setting up the operations. One woman was named uh, Connie Isaiah wonderful person and she was a nurse and the other uh, medical consultant we had was Dr. Walter Deschel and Walter Deschel uh, was at that time an ENT. He is now a plastic surgeon who I have on retainer <laughs> living in my house. <laughs> it's so much easier to go into surgery with him right there in the house than having to go to the hospital. But anyway, um, both of them were responsible for really setting up the operations correctly and helping each actor know what to do and where to put their hands and what to pull out and what not to pull out. You know, you see a lot of hands going into what would be supposedly the body uh, down into a, what would be the body cavity, but actually it was just a hole in a, <laughs> in a box <laughs> and their hands would go in there. And the big, biggest thing would be they were clipping those instruments to some body part. Mm -hmm. In reality, inside that little hole was a bunch of balloons or rags or, you know, old mice or something. <laughs> and <they were> just, <laughs> it, it was just something to clip those things on because you never, the camera never went down into that hole. And so sometimes there were sponges down there with, uh, you know, fake blood on it. So they put their hands in there and squeeze it and then pull the glove out and the glove would be covered with 
you know, red blood. Hmm. But it was a kind of an interesting dance. And we had another gentleman named George Simmons who had some medical experience as well. And he, when Dr. Deschel wasn't there and Connie Isaiah wasn't available, George went ahead and did a lot of the help with that kind of activity, helping dress the wounds and dress the bodies for the operations. Interesting. So it was kind of fun. I mean, it was a, yeah, it was a very uh, well thought out process to do. Hmm. But all 11 years, no one was ever actually operated on during match. Oh, man. Yeah. A little disappointing. Uh, Sorry. Um, I'm crushed. I'm crushed. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. All right. This, this podcast is We're over. We're done. I'm sorry. Yeah. I blew no. the whole thing. I'm sorry, Ryan. <laughs> no, that's okay. You mentioned the name Connie Isaiah, and MASH fans may know that name because at the end of the penultimate episode, as time goes by, which was actually the last episode that was filmed, but that was the one that aired right before Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, that episode was dedicated to her and her memory. She passed away, was it of breast cancer, I believe? I think so. Thank so. Back right before the series wrapped. So that is uh, who Connie Isaiah was. Craig Wilson, he sent in a message and said, Hey, Jeff and Ryan, we were talking between ourselves on the All Things MASH Facebook group about the MASH Ranch site and how it was so small for all the characters on the show. We wondered if there was an area off screen that the cast and crew had. Can you confirm this and just what or where it was from the bits and pieces? I understand there was no phone and the toilets were an issue. <laughs> were there limitations of what they could provide or was it just because of the budget? <laughs> well, toilets are always an issue, aren't they? <laughs> They're much more important to me than the phone, but I, that's just me. That's so, <laughs> so where were when on the ranch, uh, at the Mash Ranch, the Fox Ranch, where did you hang out? Was there an area off screen or did you have trailers or where did you hang out when you weren't filming? I hung out in the toilet as <laughs> long as I could. People came in and chef, get out of the darn toilet, will you? That was the issue. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they put the phone in the toilet, right? That was the problem. And Wayne Rogers was always in there on the phone in the toilet. <laughs> Buying and selling stock. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did in the toilet. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Oh, there's a lot of stuff now. Let me see if my brain can remember that area. Okay, yes. Okay, so you have the camp, uh, the, all the, the swamp and the mess tent and all the stuff. Over where Rosie's was, up to the left of Rosie, that was a, that was a, uh, a road that went up. And you could go left or you could go right. And if you went right, you kind of turned a corner and went around a bunch of trees. And that wasn't visible. Uh, they didn't shoot that direction too much. But you could see that if you looked hard enough. But Around those trees, that's where all the trailers were, and that's where the, quote, dressing rooms were. And the dressing rooms are, they're not posh. <laughs> that's what a posh <laughs> kind of group. They're, they're trailers, but they have little, you know, rooms in them with a couch and a, and there's a toilet in there. There's a toilet and a sink and stuff, so you can go in there and be a human being and relax and do whatever. All the actors have them. So you could go in there and, and rest. And I think there were probably two rooms to a trailer or something. So I don't think there were separate dressing rooms. There may have been. I kind of don't remember. But that's kind of where a lot of the actors would go once they were through doing their thing and they wanted to go either relax or sit down or visit the toilet or just try and learn lines or whatever. They would go and sit there. There were also areas where you could just sit outside if you didn't want to sit in the where the toilet was. <laughs> you could just sit out. <laughs> I can't get my head out of the toilet. Will you please get your head out of the toilet? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ron. I 
I had some tea this morning and I'm just out of my mind. Do you need to have a toilet break? <laughs> I just did. Thank you. Okay. So you could also sit on the set. You know, you were, you were going to shoot something fairly quickly. You didn't want to schlep all the way up that road around the corner behind the trees and go in your dressing room. So, and that took a while to get there and back. So if you were going to, if they were setting up a shot, you'd rehearsed it and they were going to, you know, setting up the shot with the cameras, you kind of want to hang a little closer than going back there. So there was always a, a little circle of chairs, no matter where anything was, even on the sound stage. there was always a little circle of chairs where the cast could sit around and you know, kibitz or learn lines or rehearse or whatever. Okay. And so a lot of that was done right there, you know, in the area of the of the swamp, which was outside, or those kind of barrack things that they had up, those tin things, the buildings. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that would be set up there because there was a space there. So that's kind of what happened. You know, were, were there phones there? There, that was a big bone of contention initially because there, I don't believe there was a phone originally, but they finally got one. So if anybody had an emergency, finally you could go to this box. And certainly it was not easy to stick a phone in the middle of this ranch. I mean, it was a, just a barren place and it was not easy to stick a phone there. So mm -hmm. I'm sure they had to go through a bunch of hoops to get that done. And for our younger listeners, yes. there was a time when all phones had to be connected by cords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was a well, well, well before the advent of uh, any uh, cellular yeah. phone technology, really. We didn't even know what cellular was. I mean, nothing. Isn't that amazing? Back then, there yeah. was no nobody knew uh, cell phones or even podcasts. You said podcast to somebody, they look at you and slap you. Yeah, but so there was one phone and no toilets. Oh, no, no, wait. There were three, one toilet and three phones. I don't remember. And Wayne Rogers was on all of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Dave Himes said. And All right, Dave, moving forward. Yeah. Moving forward, Dave. Dave Himes says, it's me again. Question for Jeff. You mentioned that you joined the cast in the second season. And in the in addition to your role as Igor, you were Alan Alda's stand-in through season five. Well, you know more than I do. My question is, Jeff, did you have to show up on the set every day or just the days you would be in a scene? And do you know how many episodes you were appeared in? Love the show, guys. Keep them coming. Thank you, Jeff, for that very nice compliment. Um, what was the question? Oh, uh, did you have to show up on set every day? When I was Alan Alda's stand-in, I was there every moment Alan Alda was there. Consequently, that was all the time. <laughs> that was my life, five days a week. And so, yeah, uh, when he was there, I was there. I was like a, a bad shadow to him, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so that went on quite a bit. Um, through all those seasons. When I was Igor, no, I didn't have to be there every single day. And there were, when I was needed to do the scenes, I was there. And when I wasn't needed to do the scenes, I wasn't there. So, mm -hmm. no. So after I became Igor, I kind of retired from being Alan all the stand in. And when I did, uh, I kind of went into a different realm of, of the business. And at that point, I was then there only when they needed me and I was in that scene. And that was quite a bit, but still, I wasn't there every single day. It gave me a little time because I did other shows as well, and I did other stuff. So it gave me a break so I could go off and do that because it was hard to do when I was doing the stand-in position. How far in advance did you know if you were going to be needed for an episode? Uh, it's a great question. Usually about a week. 
Okay. Sometimes it, it it was different. Sometimes I would just get a script messenger to me or send in the mail. However, they used to do it then. I kind of don't remember, but show would show up at, at my doorstep. So all of a sudden, I oh, there's a script, and it would have a date on it. We go, oh, that's the next show. So and then I would get a call from my agent who said, Yeah, Jeff, you got to be there Tuesday at six thirty in the morning. Sometimes it was kind of a surprise. I didn't realize it was going to happen on a specific day, but I get the script and know that that was going to happen. But I, I think usually I had about a week before they actually shot that show. To answer his other question, according to the Internet Movie Database, and maybe you know if this number is correct, but 83 episodes is what they credit you for on MASH. I think it was uh, it was actually more. I know that there were other... There was an issue about the uh, number of episodes recorded and things, and I, I'm not going to dispute them, but I... I believe it was more episodes than that. So somewhere between 83 and 212. Yes, exactly. Okay. There's somewhere right. in that in that ballpark. <laughs> it's in that range. All right. Hey, Derek Wade, he sent us a question. He said, I have a question for Jeff. I told you it's Ask Igor. Oh, question for Jeff. In the episode where Igor and the others are up for promotion, Igor presents Hawkeye with some delicious strawberry shortcake as a bribe. <laughs> Hawkeye did not accept it. So- did Jeff or the cast get to eat that shortcake? <laughs> yeah, it was. I tried really hard to get him to take the darn cake, uh, <laughs> but he, he uh, no, we didn't get to eat the shortcake. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, when they start it, they bring the shortcake in probably down in a certain time, and then it sits around for a while, and then you shoot it, and maybe shoot it again, and it sits around a little more. So the, by the time you're through with it, you probably don't really want to eat the shortcake. You wouldn't initially when you first showed up. But after three or four hours. Yeah, it's more short than cake. Yeah, at the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, thank you, Derek. Uh, all right. Hey, we have a voicemail. Oh. All right. Let's go to the phones. Here we go. Hi, Jeff and Ryan. My name is Tracy. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I wanted to thank you for a great podcast. I listen when I'm at the gym, and it really makes the time fly by, so it's perfect for that. I have a question for Jeff. Whenever I see Igor in a scene, he often has a wide-eyed and incredulous look, or sometimes he looks completely bored. And the expressions uh, totally cracked me up and really helped to make the scenes uh, hilarious. I was wondering, did the producers want Igor to be that way, or is it something that Jeff came up with? Anyway, thanks again, and I hope you guys keep doing this for a long time. Thank you. <laughs> First of all, Tracy, uh, you might want to be careful while you're listening at the gym because Anita has already informed us of the dangers of laughing aloud at the gym. So please be careful. Well, maybe Tracy and Anita could work out together and maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Workout buddies. Workout buddies. But okay, we have to give Tracy the award for the cutest voice. Was that not the cutest voice? I'm Tracy from Minnesota. I I want to talk about Igor. Oh my god, I can't do the. She's so adorable. And what a sweet voice. Thank you. That was fun to listen to. I was just captivated by your cute voice. Pick you up at seven, Tracy. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> well, thank you. That was a sweet thing. A question. And were the producers the reason I? looked wide-eyed or bored um no 
<laughs> I looked wide-eyed because I was terrified, basically, of the producers. So maybe so. You're right. I was <laughs> a little nervous. <laughs> no, I, that was a character that I kind of came up with that I felt was um, the best way that Igor could be in the circumstances that he was. So it came out of just trying to be that guy stuck in that terrible place and was somewhat intimidated and worried that he would <laughs> uh, never get out. <laughs> yeah, and when he was bored, he was just kind of tired and exhausted. But it was fun to do that. And so, no, the producers didn't do that. They liked it because I brought them a character that had a little bit more stuff going on than just somebody standing there saying something. So they loved that I was wide-eyed and or bored. They liked it. <laughs> and or bored. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the voicemail, uh, Tracy. We appreciate that. All right. You got the next one, don't you? I do. Jeff. Okay. From Ron Batter from Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Uh, hey, guys. One of the reasons I love MASH so much is the interplay between comedy and drama. Big laughs one minute and gut-wrenching drama the next. Mm. I want to say that again. Gut-wrenching drama. <laughs> we Let me say it one more time. Gut-wrenching drama. <laughs> To say, when you say it three times, it gets funny. I Tonight. Tonight. Yeah. On TJ Hooker. Gut-wrenching drama. <laughs> we, we saw this throughout the entire run of the series. My question relates specifically to Jeff. Well, thank you. Ask Igor. Ask Igor. Ding, 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 ding. Most of the time he appears, he is in, an, in a comedic scene, and he always delivers the laughs. I recently watched Bottoms Up from season nine. As you may recall, we discovered that Margaret's friend, Captain Helen Whitfield, uh, played by Gail Strickland, is an alcoholic, despite her best efforts to conceal that fact. There is a scene in the mess tent where she was suffering from the DTs and begins to hallucinate. Gail is great in that scene, which she was, and so is Jeff. Well, thank you. You really get a sense of the confusion Igor is feeling. Is there anything you can share about that scene? Did you prepare any differently for that or any other dramatic scene? No. Okay, next. Um, <laughs> uh, right? No. Uh, you know, again, when you're in a scene and you're doing the thing, you're kind of being who you are in that moment. Mm -hmm. And Igor was always kind of confused. And so whatever happened, he just responded to what he was seeing. Right. And when she did what she did, uh, it was a shock to him and he kind of didn't know what to do and it was very confusing. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of acted that way and was confused and didn't know what to do. Right. So, yeah, you're acting genuine to the situation. And plus, you are a smart performer in that you know when to be funny and when not to be funny. And that was a scene where you're not supposed to be funny. <laughs> and if Igor came in trying to be funny in that scene, it would totally distract from the uh, purpose of that scene, which was a very heavy, dramatic scene. And uh, so here, you know, here comes goofy Igor being goofy. Yeah would not have worked there. And you recognize that as an actor. And at that point, had I done that, then the producers would have talked to me very severely about the head and neck. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. You're not supposed to be funny, you idiot. Why were you wearing the arrow through your head in that scene, Jeff? I didn't. I thought the clown nose was a bit much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I remember that. I remember that scene. And she was really good. She was really freaking out. Mm -hmm. And it was it was very dramatic. It really was. I mean, I remember getting chills when I watched it and was being there. And I'm thinking about it now. I get chills because she was really terrific. It was a good, uh, very good moment. And if you can't remember that scene, here it is right here. Wait a minute. What is this? Our own version of beef stew, man. 
It looks awful. No more than usual. It's got things in it. with her she's nuts no she's not she's got the dts she didn't seem drunk you don't get them when you're drunk you get them when you're drying out you were so funny in that jeff (laughs) some of your best comedic work right there we have to make choices as an actor and i just thought you know all right from uh from dustin wilde he says i'm watching i'm sorry excuse me i don't mean to interrupt you but i I'm going to change my name to Dustin Wild. I is that a name or what? I wonder if he is a swill slinger. <laughs> and following TJ Hooker tonight, Dustin Wild swill slinger. Dustin Wild. <laughs> yeah. That's a great showbiz name, Dustin. You got to come to Hollywood. You get an it. Ryan and I'll get you. Fa- we'll we'll manage you. We'll make you famous. Stick with us, kid. We'll make you famous. <laughs> yeah. Okay, All I'm right. sorry. Dustin, Excuse me. I'm, I'm so sorry. sorry. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Dustin says I'm watching a war for all seasons. It always struck me funny that they would shoot off fireworks during a war, <laughs> and being that close to the front makes it worse. Wouldn't you think the enemy would think it's an attack and fire on the area, or at least give them something to shoot at? Ah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. On another point, Igor, I still can't believe you creamed the corn, you ninny. Oh, also. Klinger gave a Canadian visitor a box of fruit cocktail. He said he got Igor to shovel it into a doggy bag. Here's his question. He says, as an actor, do you get paid for an episode where you don't appear, but that your character is simply mentioned? Great podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Dustin Wilde's Will Slinger. Dustin, when you have your own series and you're not in the scene, but they happen to say, gee, where's Dustin? You're not going to get a penny, not a centavo. Nothing, not a Frank. No, nothing. You're nothing. You won't get any. No, no, you don't get paid for being mentioned, even if you're. No, you don't. Only if you're there talking in a show do you get paid. So, no, you don't get paid by a mention of a name. But we have mentioned before that there are different pay scales for when you do appear on screen. The people walking around in the background, they get paid a certain wage. And then if you get a line, you're bumped up. And then if you get more dialogue, you're bumped up. Is that how it works? The huge pay scale, the range is between Jeff Maxwell and Alan Alda. (laughs) That's the disparity. Uh, Yeah. No, there are different pay scales. Yes. In the background, quote, background players or extras, they are paid a certain rate. Then if you happen to say, yes, sir, you get paid another rate. And if you're there for a while, you get paid another rate. And at that point, you have an agent who's negotiating that and saying, yeah, this guy's a genius. You got to give him money. Come on, buddy. Give him some more money. <laughs> they're not a good, very good agent if they say that, like I just said it, but that's what they're saying. So yeah, there's... The background artist, then if you get a, there's also thing, uh, uh, extras can get what's called a silent bit. And a silent bit is where you're in a scene that you have a, a specific job to do in that scene that you relate to one of the actors. If the actor says, blah, 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 uh, here, hold this thing. And while I knock you on the head and then get out of here. Hmm. So if that happens, that would probably be called a silent bit and you'd get paid more for that but less than it would be if you spoke. Hmm. 
So there's a little in between. I think at least that was the way it was back in the olden days when I was doing the show. <laughs> whether whether that pay scale is identical now, I don't know, but that would be it. So you, I think the studio is still paying people to be silent. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe not for the same reasons, but yes, I, I, I think there are many silent bit payments uh, being paid out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, from Deanna Cantrell. Doesn't she sound like a showgirl? And now... <laughs> And now, direct from the Lido de Perry, Deanna Cantrell and her feather boa. I'm not touching that. That's all you, Jeff. <laughs> if you're lucky, Dustin, we'll introduce you to Deanna Cantrell. <laughs> hey, Ryan and Jeff, just wanted to extend a huge thank you for doing this podcast. Ah, is that nice? That is re really, thank you. Yes. I have been avidly watching the show since the 80s. You must be tired. And every day, my fiance, Jason, and I look forward to watching the reruns on various channels after work. Also, I really enjoy listening to your podcast while at work. Makes me smile when I listen. Oh, that's very nice. I hope she doesn't work at a gym. <laughs> uh, so here's my question that both my fiance and I have been curious about that we heard in regards to Gary Berghoff. Uh-oh, I bet I know what this is about. Mm -hmm. We heard that he was actually difficult and that he left the show because they didn't allow his character to grow. So he was difficult to work with. Can you please clarify, as I don't believe he was difficult as we've heard. Also, it warms my heart to hear that Gary jumped into action to help raise money for the families of Butte County. Though we moved from Paradise, California just a year before the fire happened. Wow, you're lucky they did that. It broke our hearts that my fiance's Aunt Mary and the friends we had there did in fact lose everything. Oh, mm, that's awful. And the home we once uh, resided in was lost. Oh my gosh, how terrible. Wow. Uh, anyway, thank you for doing this. Uh, it's this type of dedication that will keep Mash's candle burning for another lifetime. Love you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you. Can you get us uh, front row seats, Deanna, to the uh, Lido so we can see your show? <laughs> <laughs> what was the question oh gary gary and this is kind of an urban legend about mash that gary was difficult that he was uh you know the guy on the set who was uh, always causing problems and that uh he left the show because uh you know because he was a jerk that's what people think about gary berghoff and and jeff what say you you mean about that jerk gary berghoff um, <laughs> yeah oh. all right good night uh, good night so <laughs> Well, Gary Berghoff, uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Hmm. And it is an urban legend that Gary Berghoff was difficult to work with. Was he really? No. Were there issues that every actor and all shows deal with over a period of five, seven, 11 years? Yes. Do people disagree about things? Yes. But MASH was a family. It still is. And every family has issues and every family member disagrees with another family member sometimes. And sometimes you think that, you know, your brother Iggy is kind of a jerk and you don't hang out with him for that day. But then the next day you forget about it and everybody's fine. Did that happen with everybody? Yes. I mean, everybody on that show was a human being and people right. have moments where they, you know, something happens and you just aren't crazy about it. But was he difficult to work with? No. 
Was he a very, very uh, specific actor? Yes. Did he have uh, his own method of acting? Yes. Did he want that character to be as truthful and honest as it possibly could? And did he want to ensure that that happened in all the scenes that he was in? Yes. Could that perhaps irritate somebody? Maybe. But everybody had their own issues from moment to moment and day to day and month to month and year to year. So it's not fair to say that uh, Gary was a terrible person and he was a, you know, uh, he was hard to work with or hard to deal with. No, he wasn't. He was a terrific guy, incredibly well respected. Nobody wanted to see him walk away from that show. And he didn't walk away because he was being a bad guy. He walked away for, well, I won't say right now, but he was not a bad guy. Don't believe all the rumors you hear. He's a wonderful, sweet person. And I love him dearly. And no, he was not hard to work. He was a terrific person. Still is. I'm sorry. If you uh, have worked anywhere for 11 years and you did not have somebody that you worked with who did something every now and then that bothered you or said something to you one time that may have rubbed you the wrong way, well, uh, guess what? You are blessed or you're lying. Right. Yeah, it's going to happen, you know, obviously. And uh, the reason that Jeff is not saying the reason that Gary left is because we want Gary to tell you Mm. why he left. In fact, should we go ahead and let the cat out of the bag? What do you think, Jeff? Let's let the cat out of the bag. So, uh, you know, we have been blessed to talk to some great people. We've talked to Mike Farrell. We've talked to Loretta Swit. And you know where this is going, folks. We are proud to announce that coming up soon, we are going to be talking to Mr. Gary Berghoff. And he will personally raise the issue of him leaving the show. And it'll be an interesting thing to hear. It's going to be a great episode. Now, here's the deal. It's not the next episode. But Gary, we will be talking to him on episode 28. Oh, wait. No, sorry. That was just reflex. (laughs) We talked about episode 28 so often that that's just my default episode to say anymore. No, we are going to be talking with Gary on episode 35. Ah. All right. Now, for reference, this is episode 31. Mm-hmm. So you have a few more episodes to go before you hear from Gary Burkoff. So it's going to be exciting to hear from Gary. You're going to love him as much as I do. And uh, he's going to reveal a whole bunch of stuff. So stay tuned. You're going to love it. Yes. And that does it for episode 31. Keep those letters and emails and voicemails coming. You can always get in touch with us here at MASH Matters. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. Subscribe to us, listen to us, download, and please go leave a review as well. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please go leave a five-star review and even write us a little review. We'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to call and leave a voicemail, you can do that at 513-436-4077. Just keep those uh, voicemails under three minutes. And you can email us at mashmatterspodcast at gmail.com. Well, I am going to run out and see if I can find a toilet. So... (laughs) Great talking with you, Ryan. (laughs) Great talking with you, Jeff. We'll see you next time. And until then, here's looking up your old address. 